0: Well, good evening, everyone. Good to see you all tonight. Trust you're having a good week. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 tonight. Uh, We want to look at verses uh, 12 through uh, 15, body life exhortations, uh, what I've titled the message here tonight. Thank you, Albert, for leading us. We appreciate it. Let's go ahead and uh, look to the Lord in in a word of prayer here. Lord, again, we thank you for the privilege to uh, assemble and to study together. Pray for your blessing on our time and, and uh, use it for your glory. And uh, all the other ongoing uh, ministries, Awana Youth Group, thank you for all the workers. And just pray that everybody would uh, have a fruitful night. Uh, we commit ourselves to you now. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Well, uh, you note the outline here. We have worked our way through the book, and we're coming down here towards the end of the book. Uh, chapter 5, verses 12 through 24, Instructions on Christian Living. The Thessalonians, uh, they got saved, and they were excited about the Lord. They were going on strong for the Lord. They were excited about the Lord's return, but they were still pretty green. They were still pretty green. And, and so uh, Paul uh, writes to them, and he says in, in chapter 3, verse 10, Night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. So there were still some some weaknesses there. There were still some things lacking as far as uh, their faith. They needed to grow in some ways. And so he's uh, wanting to bring them up to speed on a couple of things. Number one, uh, the rapture in relationship to the day of the Lord and uh, assuring them that believers who have died are not going to miss out on the rapture, which is the next great event on God's prophetic calendar. And then also, uh, it seems that he wants to strengthen them in terms of Christian living. He's kind of, Dan here, making some rapid-fire bullet points as far as how we should then live. Um, Now, there's a distinction. At some length, uh, the the bulk of the book is really dealing with eschatological issues, last day's issues. But uh, we see in chapter 4, at length he presents the the truth of the rapture. In chapter 4, 13 through 18. And uh, then he follows by the day of the Lord. Uh, The word but is peride in the Greek. It's a transitional word, transitioning to a different subject. Talked about the rapture, now transitioning to a different subject, uh, the day of the Lord. And uh, we note here, as we uh, were in chapter 1, verse 10, they were saved to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And there's there's the order again. Delivers us. From the wrath to come, and so I I really think, as you look at the whole book, he's talking about uh, the rapture, which is followed by the wrath in the day of the Lord, and so that's that's where that's what he's emphasizing. I think in chapter one verse ten, I think the same thing. After he covers the rapture in the day of the Lord, he makes another summary statement: God did not appoint us to wrath, and I think he's talking about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord wrath. That's what he's talking about in the context there. And then, But to obtain salvation or deliverance. Salvation means deliverance. To obtain deliverance through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, he delivers us from the wrath to come. Did not appoint us to wrath, day of the Lord. But to obtain deliverance through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's made that major point uh, in the book. Um, let's see. My next uh, slide here. In chapter 4, after he deals with the rapture, and uh, how we're all going to be together, uh, he says, comfort one another with these words. These are comforting words. After emphasizing we're not going into the day of the Lord, he says basically the same thing. Therefore, comfort one another and edify one another just as you are doing. So it's comforting that uh, we are going to go in the rapture. We're all going to be there. It's comforting. We are not going into the day of the Lord. This is not for us. Uh, God has not appointed us to wrath. So, he's emphasizing that. So, just to summarize what we have noted, <clears throat> we are here in the church age. We are looking forward, as the Thessalonians were, to the, the coming of the Lord, what we call the rapture. It's a church event. And uh, then comes the day of the Lord judgment. He has emphasized, we, we are going to be delivered from this. We are not appointed to this. And he's made a major point of that. First comes the rapture, chapter 4. Then comes the day of the Lord judgment, Chapter 5, we're not appointed to this time of wrath. This is clearly a time of wrath, as we see in the book of Revelation. Okay, um, well, as we now move forward from chapter 5, verse 12 on, we really come to the uh, formal end of the book here. And uh, as he is wrapping this up, he makes some practical applications. You know, sometimes people say, well, all people want to do is talk about the coming of the Lord. It, it, what, what's that got to do with where I live? Well, quite a bit, actually. And, uh, you know, it should make a difference in terms of how you then live. And that's his empo- uh, his uh, point here. makes a lot of uh, practical uh, application here. Um, okay, I think that's all as far as introduction. Let's have somebody read verses uh, 12 and 13. Chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 12 and 13. Who wants to read that for us? Yeah, Amy? Okay, thank you. <clears throat> so, uh, my uh, translation, I like your, you, yours, hits the right tone there. Uh, what did it say? We, we, uh, we request of you. Or how does verse 12 begin there? We request of you, yeah, we request of you. It's, it's not really a, a, a harsh command here, it's kind of a plea. Uh, uh, mine says, We urge you, brethren. Uh, but it's in the context here of watchfulness. Remember what he just said back in chapter 5, verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. He's exhorting them to watchfulness. And so, uh, in light of this, he is uh, giving these uh, bullet points in terms of what watchfulness really involves. What does it mean to be watchful? Well, the rest of the chapter really develops that idea. And, uh, you know, if we really are being watchful, it has a practical ramification uh, in First John, John says this, First John 3, Beloved, now we are children of God. I mean, that's our position. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, uh, the coming of Christ, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. This is what's coming. Right now we are children of God. But the final version in terms of what our, our status means, in terms of when we see the Lord, we are going to be like Him, that's yet future. But then he says this, and everyone who has this hope, what hope? Uh, The the, the hope that we're going to see him and be like him. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. This is the, the blessed hope, and it makes an impact. If you truly have this hope, and you're expecting Christ to come, it affects how you live, is what he's saying. And so, it does have a ramification. Now, uh, there was no scandal in this church that we know of. I mean, you know, say, well, hey, there's just flagrant outright sin here. We don't see that. There's no scandal. Uh, but there was still need for vigilance. There was still need for growth. And so he's uh, uh, exhorting them in that way. And by the way, <clears throat> we are talking local church truth here at this point. Um, the rapture in chapter 4 dealt with universal church, Right? <clears throat> I don't believe in a a localized rapture like, you know, the Church of Council Bluffs is leaving, but the rest of these people, especially those who live out in California and those kind of places, they're not going. Just kidding. Uh, It's a universal event, right? All those in Christ, the dead in Christ, all those dead in Christ, and those who are alive will will be caught up with Him. It's a universal church event. So that's what we're talking about in chapter 4 at the rapture. Uh, This involves all those in Christ, which includes all believers from the day of Pentecost until the rapture. However, when dealing with how the church is to function in day-by-day body life, Paul deals with the local church. In terms of living out Christianity, the emphasis in the New Testament is on the local church. And uh, I think that's true consistently in the New Testament. Uh, So, yeah, there is universal church truth. But in terms of how we live it out functionally, emphasis on the local church. So we see that here. I'm always reminded, too, that the last message that Christ gave to the churches was where? The book of Revelation. And who's he addressing there? The universal church? Well, there's application. There's application to all the churches, as it says, what the Spirit says, says to all the churches. But he's addressing seven local churches, which are kind of prototypes of all kinds of different various churches out here. So uh, we urge you, brethren, like I say, it's, it's more like a plea, And uh, now it has to do with leadership here. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. Uh, You know, we want good leadership, right? Can I get an amen? Yeah, we, we want good leadership. You have bad leadership, it's a bad situation for the whole body. So we want good leadership. How about followership? You think we want good followership? Yeah, we should probably have an amen on that one too. <laughs> yeah, we want, we want both. And you know, not everybody can be a major leader. Somebody has to follow, right? Sometimes you say we've got too many chiefs and not enough Indians or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, we want, uh, we want good followership. And that's really what he's going to emphasize in large part. Now, as far as uh, leaders in the church, we call them elders, overseers, pastors. These are kind of three interchangeable terms. Uh, Elders refers to those who are spiritually mature. And we might add qualified, meet the qualifications. You've got 15 qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3. All of them relate to character, except one, which is able to teach. Yep, you've got to have some ability to teach. Other than that, these are all character qualifications. Uh, Overseers, they have the spiritual oversight. Somebody has to be... These are the leaders. Uh, The word pastor means shepherd, and they are the shepherd. And that's what he says here. In Acts 20, he says, from my leaders he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. Elders, plural. It's always a team. It's not a one-man show. Uh, There's no Protestant pope. At least there shouldn't be, right? Uh, And then uh, in verse 28, he's uh, exhorting them, these elders... Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So uh, here they are, these mature leaders. They have an oversight responsibility, and what they're doing is shepherding the church. Okay, Um, so he's talking in reference to these these leaders, and he says, We urge you, brethren, uh, to recognize those who labor among you, Uh, To recognize them means to know them, literally to know them, means to appreciate them, to respect them, to high high regard for them, really is the idea. And hopefully, you can do that. I mean, if you've got leaders where you really don't have any respect for them, that's a problem, right? Uh, Something's out of line. Maybe the elder got a problem. Now, if that's the case, you shouldn't probably be an elder. He's not qualified. Uh, no, probably about it. He shouldn't be. Uh, so, but maybe you know. I, I don't know about you, but you know, there's this thing about leaders. Uh, I I know better than a lot of leaders. You know, just ask me sometimes. As far as my attitude, sometimes, right? Uh, I'm I'm this way when it comes to football. You know, I, football is my favorite sport. I don't watch a huge amount of it, but once in a while, if I got a few, few minutes, I'll watch a little football. And man, I'm telling you, I know football. You just listen to me in my armchair. I I know better than the coach. I know better than the quarterback. I mean, I'm calling, the. especially if Nebraska's playing. Man, I've got it down. <laughs> it's so easy in my armchair. But when you're actually in the position, it's a whole different story. It's kind of the way with leadership. You know, in, in the church, elders have a lot of pressures. And, and we're human, too. I mean, everybody's human here. But he's really emphasizing followership. And what's to be your attitude towards these qualified godly leaders, which, which is a given. They need to be godly qualified men. And he says to recognize them, to, to have high regard for them, to appreciate them. And he, sa- he uh, says, who labor among you. Again, descriptive of elders and uh, overseers. Again, uh, it's always plural. Uh, we find a couple of other scriptures I want to bring in here as far as Acts 14.23. Uh, This is the pattern we find in the book of Acts. So, when they had appointed elders in every church, prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord, whom they believed. Of course, you had apostolic input in place, which helps. I think, as far as designating, well, God is this person here and this person. You have you have apostolic leadership involved here. Uh, Titus one, you know, Paul's giving Titus a responsibility here. For this reason, I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking. And appoint elders in every city. And of course, in those early days, you're starting out, you got a church starting in a city. And so basically, in every church, uh, as I commanded you. Notice he talks about, uh, I want you to set in order, things that are lacking. It's like until a church has qualified leadership, something's lacking. You really need qualified leadership. By the way, it's always kind of interesting about the church at Corinth. Do you read about elders in uh, Corinth? If so, I'm interested in the chapter and verse. Uh, you really don't have recognized leaders. It's like, what's going on here? Uh, where are they? I don't know. It seems like there might have been something lacking. Of course, maybe that kind of explains why we got so many problems that we have. We don't have qualified leadership there. It seems like there was some sort of leadership. There's some verses that kind of hint at that. But it's not really developed that, that we see there too much. Okay, uh, recognize who's, who labor uh, among you. Uh, So go the leaders, so go the people. People need shepherding, they need leadership. And uh, notice, he says, who labor among you. It involves, this word labor is strenuous effort. Uh, It's it's hard work. Uh, It's it's not easy. And uh, where do they labor? Among you. Uh, They're involved with the people of God. Uh, They're not aloof. Uh, They need to be in the trenches with God's people going through whatever God's people are going through. Uh, They labor among you. And then he says, and are over you in the Lord. Now as believers, we are all spiritual equals, right? Do us as leaders have more of the Holy Spirit than you? No. Are we more saved than you? No. Uh, Are we more important than you? Uh, No. Uh, we're, We're all sheep. We're all brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're all uh, part of the priesthood, uh, uh, you know, a spiritual priesthood. There's an equality in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, you know, the verses. But, um, but there are different roles. It's true in the church, true in the home. Uh, there is different roles. Uh, notice he says, uh, over you in the Lord. Uh, over you is literally to stand before as one would stand before as, as a leader. Uh, that's the idea, the one who has the, the oversight. Now, as uh, those who are over you, I, I think it's good for the overseers to be reminded, uh, you know, we're over, but we're under. <laughs> we are under shepherds, uh, and, and it's good to keep that in mind. We are to not lord it over God's people, as Peter says. We are to lead by example. Um, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3, is clear that while elders have the oversight, they must never lord it over those entrusted to their care. They must always have the the well-being of the flock in view and realize they are merely under-shepherds who serve in a stewardship capacity. It's really God's flock. And uh, people sometimes say to me, how's your church? And I say, well, I don't have one. Oh, what happened? Well, I never had one. It's the Lord's church. Uh, I just have a ministering role here, but it's it's really uh, Christ's church. Okay, Um, they're over you in the Lord. And and by the way, I I have known situations that were very unhealthy where you have leadership that tries to really play the Holy Spirit's role in a sense. Every little thing. No, you shouldn't buy a new car. Uh, Right down to even what people can have in their houses and everything else. It's like, man, this kind of seems cultic to me. You know, the Bible gives a lot of space to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You don't have somebody else work it out. Uh, I think we're talking, in terms of what the Bible teaches here, the main role of the elders is the spiritual life of the people in terms of uh, how we should then live. And that's really what he's talking about here. Uh, notice they admonish you. They are over you in the Lord. And, and what do they do? They admonish you. The word admonish literally means to put in mind. And uh, it's the idea to warn. To, to admonish means to warn. Uh, to warn about what is blameworthy to to warn about spiritual dangers, I remember this pastor saying you know he 's seen this so many times you know, people are like there 's a, there's a steep cliff over here, and he 's saying you know i 'd be dangerous you 're kind of dancing around that cliff over there i 'd be very careful and and uh, he said, and the people say, Oh, thank you, pastor, uh, for warning me, admonishing me, and they just keep dancing and they fall over the cliff. <laughs> How often is that true? It's like, uh, but this is what spiritual leaders, this is part of what they do, is they admonish God's people. They warn them. It's part of the elder's responsibility to warn of consequences and say, I wouldn't get too close there. There's there's danger there. Uh, Heed the admonishment. uh, Heed the warning. Uh, Let's see here. My next uh, slide here. Is this where I'm at? Yeah, in the Lord. Yeah, okay. Uh, in the Lord, it says uh, they admonish you in the Lord. Do you know it's the nature and scope of their leadership role. They do not deal directly with secular, civic, political matters. Right? We're not having a political rally here next Saturday. Right? Right! We're, we're not. Uh, that's not their realm. You know? You know, I'll tell you on a little secret. Just get political for a second here. Democrats need the Lord, as do Republicans. And there's several independents that also need the Lord. They all need the Lord. So we're, we're trying to reach everybody here, right? You want to say, you know what? If you're on a certain political team here, you know, we're blasting you here. That's a mistake. That's not what we're about. Yeah, we have uh, conservative values for sure, but uh, we're going to keep it on the spiritual level. They are spiritual leaders dealing with people's spiritual lives, which, of course, affects whatever people do in all other realms. But the emphasis relates to the, the spiritual lives of God's people. That's really what, what we are all about as, as elders. That's what we are to be about. So what do spiritual leaders do? Uh, they labor among you. If they're not laboring among you, yeah, there's a problem. Uh, they're over you in the Lord, yes, and they admonish or they, they warn you. So... Um, you know, uh, this is the, the job of an elder. And he's just recognize him. A- appreciate what they're doing, what they're trying to do. Now, if they're out of line for some reason, that's a problem. But if they're really trying to help you spiritually uh, through admonishing, you, just recognize this is part of what it is to be uh, a, an elder, a leader, an overseer. Okay, uh, then verse 13. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Uh, To esteem means to uh, consider, to think, to regard, to esteem them very highly in love. Uh, Again, have high regard. Value them. Appreciate them. In love. Uh, uh, In love. uh, This is the intense word, agape, uh, which seeks the other person's highest good. And he says for their work's sake. They have a very important job as an elder. Uh, You know, it says in Acts, and we read it there, Acts 20, 28, uh, shepherd the church of God. Boy, can there be a higher responsibility? I've often told my wife, I really think the presidency is way below my calling. (laughs) It's not an arrogant statement. Uh, I just think the position of being a shepherd, an under-shepherd over the flock of God, I mean, the people that Jesus purchased with his blood, what an awesome responsibility uh, Peter talks about uh, shepherd the flock of God. So Paul talks about shepherd the church of God. Peter says uh, shepherd the flock of God, 1 Peter five two. Very high position of responsibility. In the, in the world today, there is no higher position in the church. There is no higher position of responsibility than to be an elder in the church. Uh, it should make you tremble. It makes me tremble. Uh, I say, boy, you're very confident. Uh, uh, I, I'm not confident in me at all. Uh, you know, with fear and trembling, I'm working out my salvation. Uh, what's God going to say? I mean, this is God we're appearing before on Judgment Day. Uh, I'm, I'm human. I'm weak. I, I want to be very humble here. Um, it's, it's an awesome responsibility. We need uh, support. We need encouragement. And uh, so it's good for followers, uh, biblical followers, uh, in the sense of following the leaders, uh, to recognize, hey, uh, they need encouragement. And praise the Lord, uh, we elders get a lot of encouragement from you. I don't feel like we're beaten down all the time. We we sense the encouragement, don't we, Albert? Yeah, we do. And But then he says another uh, thing here. Be at peace among yourselves. Hey, you know one of the most difficult things in the world for pastors? Church fights. Church fights. What do we fight about? Well, you know, It doesn't take much. (laughs) Any little thing will do. Uh, This is one of the the greatest challenges uh, for elders, for those who are in the leadership role. Uh, It it is, is, and it can be a great hindrance. Uh, William MacDonald says this, The number one problem among Christians everywhere is the problem of getting along with each other. Every believer has enough of the flesh in himself to divide and wreck any local church. (laughs) guy sounds like he's been a pastor if it is possible what do you mean if it is possible isn't it possible why very good you know you can't help what the other person does right uh, I remember a situation. These people are all dead now, so I could talk about them. But uh, this lady said, This, this, and I thought both these gals are very godly women. This happened in another church. And one of them ended up in our church. That's how I know about the story. But uh, she said, This lady came up to her and said, Would you do me a favor? And she says, Well, yes. What is it? She says, Would you please never ever uh, talk to me again? <laughs> <laughs> She had no idea what this woman's even, what's her problem? So she went to the pastor and said, what should I do? And he said, well, maybe you should honor her wishes. (laughs) So they never talked again as far as I know. This woman told me this on her deathbed. I mean, what? I don't know. If it is possible. In other words, as much as it depends on you, that really qualifies if it is possible. You can't help what the other person does, right? Right? There are some people, believe it or not, that don't like Pastor Dwight. I can't understand it. I don't know what their problem is. <laughs> it is probably my problem. But, uh, you know, you really can't help what the other person does. It takes two, if it is possible. As much as it depends on you, you live peaceably with all men. You know, on your part, you know, you want to be a, a peacemaker. You, you want to get along. Be at peace among yourselves. You know what Christ said? Blessed are the peacemakers. How's the rest of the verse go? Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called... The sons of God. This is what characterizes God's kids. We're peacemakers. We're not war makers. What kind of trouble and fight can I get in today? No, that's not to be our attitude. Be at peace. Be at peace. So biblical followership properly responds to spiritual leaders in this way. Recognize them. Know and no one appreciate them. Esteem them. Highly regard and value them. And be at peace among yourselves. Uh, these are some of the bullet points that he's making with these uh, Thessalonian Christians here. All right, any other thoughts? No problem? <laughs> I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> yes. I see. Your sarcasm's coming through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy peasy. Yeah, Caleb. Sorry. You know, it's a great challenge. I mean, we are to love our enemies, as as the Bible says. Christ said, pray for those who uh, persecute you and despise you uh, and so forth. Uh, Bless them who curse you. I mean, so I think the American church, Caleb, if I'm to be brutally honest with you, has a lot to learn about suffering. Has a lot to learn about persecution, how we respond in love to that. Uh, It's not easy. Uh, and I, I, it's easy to preach. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you're starting to pick on my kids and, and you're tormenting, I'm going to be tempted to uh, want to uh, harm you. I mean, I mean, that's... that's but, but what would Christ do? You know, that's why I say, I... Let, let me make it very personal. I've got a lot to learn about this. You know, you read about some of these Christians in these, in these countries where it's unbelievable what they go through. And they humble down under it, and they love like Christ loved in spite of what the enemy is doing to them. That is really supernatural living. And uh, it's, you say, it's easy to, to preach, not so easy to live. I speak to myself first and foremost here. Uh, Albert? Yeah. That kind of triggered a thought in my mind. With yeah. The, with the way that things are going nowadays, where there are people who are out to do nothing but harm. Oh, yeah. We still have a responsibility to protect our family. Well, right. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying you just be a doormat. In in one sense, you do want to be wise. You want to do what you can to protect your family, and yet you don't want to respond in the flesh, right? right? I mean, well, and, you know, yeah, and that's, that's the that's the challenge there because you know some of us have protective uh, weapons. Uh, I guess I say. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like guns. Yeah? trouble. You know, where where do you draw the line between the flesh and the spirit? Well, you maybe want to start with the law to start with. I mean you, legally at this point you have a right to defend yourself, right? So he's breaking into your house. Now it becomes a it becomes a challenge. What what if the government's coming for you? Right? I mean that's where this goes, right? What if the government's knocking down your door? Well, would you give me a heads-up call when they're knocking? <laughs> uh, you know, that becomes an interesting situation here. Uh, how, do, how do we respond to that? I mean, that's kind of what you had with the Roman government, which was no friend of Christianity. And, uh, I mean, Paul, as far as the, the attacks on him, I mean, it was ungodly. Uh, you know, a lot of this stuff, as far as the martyrs of the church. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. If there's an exact formula, there, Albert. It kind of depends on what the situation is, what the context is, what's happening there, who's involved, what's involved. You know, you got to work out that with fear and trembling. I, again, I think every situation. Um, yeah, I don't know if a one size fits all answer for that. Well, if it's a matter of uh, your child or that person who is, is breaking in and trying to destroy your family, um, I, 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 I think you could have a good argument that I'm sorry. I have a, a pastor friend, Pastor Mike Wing, says if you try to break into his house, it will be determined right then and there that you're part of the non-elect. <laughs> you know, there is a point. You have a verse for that, brother. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's a good discussion. All right, anything else? Okay, let's somebody have somebody read verses uh, 14 and 15. Who wants to read that? 14 and 15? Yeah, Andrew? Okay, thank you. So, he's continuing on here, and he says, Now we exhort you, brethren. Again, he's, he's addressing the whole congregation here, right? I mean, this is a responsibility of the body, uh, to hold each other accountable. Uh, we're all ministers here, right? You say, well, you, you're the minister. No, no I, I am one of the ministers. We're all ministers. We all have a ministry in relationship to the body of Christ. He's talking, we exhort you. He didn't say, now I'm exhorting the leaders. This is what you ought to do. No, he's telling the church this. We exhort you. And this is very important because I sometimes say, well, leaders ought to just do it. The leaders, they're in church. And leaders do lead. But it's not like they do everything. We exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Who, who's to do this warning? Well, the brethren, the congregation, the whole body's involved here not just the leaders. Yeah, they're part of the congregation. But uh, the word warn here is the same word that was uh, translated admonish in verse 12. Uh, Warn those who are unruly. Uh, The idea here is to uh, confront, uh, to correct. Uh, Certainly leaders are to do so, but really the whole congregation is exhorted here to, to have this responsibility. So, we are to warn those who are unruly. Uh, The idea, the word unruly is to be disorderly, to be out of line. It's to be, uh, it was a word that was used in relationship to soldiers who were insubordinate. They were out of line, they were disorderly. Warn them, warn them, warn the unruly, those that are out of line. Brother, I'm warning you. Uh, this, this This is serious. You're off track here. So, warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Faint-hearted literally means little-souled. Little-souled. It refers to those that are discouraged, depressed, despondent, those that are down. People get down sometimes. The word uh, comfort uh, literally means to speak uh, alongside. It is to speak kindly and tenderly. It indicates soothing, comforting words. This is truly biblical counseling. And I want you to note it is set firmly in the context of body life ministry. This exhortation is addressed to the whole congregation, not just the leadership. You know, uh, <clears throat> sometimes somebody else can do a whole lot better job counseling somebody than I can. Maybe they've been through something I haven't been through on, on a deeper level and can minister in a way that I, I can't. This is a body life model here. That's what's being emphasized. And Martin and Deidre Bobgan have written a book Uh, entitled Competent to Minister. In that book, they say, any person who is saved and growing through sanctification can be used by the Holy Spirit to lead another to salvation or along the way of sanctification and can be used by God to minister to fellow believers without specialized training. I don't know about you, but I think that's true. I think we have been equipped to minister to one another, to build each other up. That's what the whole emphasis of the New Testament. We have professionalized everything. And I think really we've got a body-life model, not a professional model, when it comes to helping one another. Not that specialized help is always bad, but I think there's an emphasis here in terms of body-life. Uphold the weak, those that lack strength. Especially, I think, in context, we're talking about spiritual strength. Truly converted people may be weak, For any number of reasons. They may be immature, lack knowledge. They may be tired and vulnerable. Their circumstances may be pressing on them. They may be weak in faith. Huge string of references. It may be a struggle with sin. For whatever reason, might find themselves in a position of weakness. James used the same essential word in James 5.14 where he says, Is any among you weak? Let him call for the elders. Translators commonly translate this as sick in James 5.14. You know, the, the King James and, and the Charismatics has been all over that. you mean sick. Physically sick. I don't think we're talking physical sick. Elders are not doctors, right? And they really don't have the sign gift of healing either. Uh, they are spiritual leaders. Uh, the primary meaning is weak to start with. In view are those who are spiritually weak, and they need the strong men of prayer, the elders, to pray for them so they can be restored. That's really the context of James 5 here. Uphold the weak. The strong Christians are to support and uphold the weak in their struggles, whatever that involves. Thus, the spiritually strong in the congregation are to to be a support system for those who are weak. This is loving accountability and at the same time upholds them. This is this is body life ministry. Again, this is, this is what I see. A body life model here, all the way through. And then he says, You ready for this? A very challenging phrase. Be patient with the pastor. No, it says more than that. Be patient with all. We ought to put this a model over the entrance of the church, both entrances, right? We got three or four entrances. We ought to put it over every entrance. Be patient with everybody. Be patient with all. You know what? People need patience. Uh, All kinds of people are involved in the body. All kinds of problems. All kinds of backgrounds. All kinds of baggage. Be patient with all. I often (coughs) remind myself of this. Actually, my wife reminds me of it. And I remind her of it, too. We, we, We need reminding. Be patient. Be patient with all. You know that old saying, everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. It's true, of some kind or another. Every person you meet, almost everybody is fighting some kind of a great battle. The word patient means to be long-tempered. To be long-tempered. Be patient. You don't don't lose it with them. You're patient. By the way, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Long-suffering. Fruit of the Spirit. It's easy for healthy sheep to become frustrated with chronic problem people. You know, those who are unruly, faint hearted, or weak. Instead of being short with them, we must be patient. I mean, we're commanded to be. God is patient with us, and he calls us to be patient with all. Many times seemingly mature Christians are very short with those that have not yet arrived where they are. Boy, it's so easy to be critical of them. They're not doing this, and they're not doing this. Well, brother, let me show you a verse. Be patient, be patient. Remember, you used to be there too. This is a mistake. Instead of the mature, uh, instead of the mature are to reach out and minister to, to bring him along. That's the goal. Involves some patience. That doesn't mean we just tolerate flagrant sin. I mean, we are to warn the unruly. We are to hold people accountable, for sure. All these things are involved here. And then he says... See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. Boy, that kind of reflects back what we were talking about earlier, right? Don't render evil. You did me wrong, boy, I'm going to do you to you. You do me once, okay, but you do me (laughs) twice. Don't render evil for evil to anyone. You know, he talks, anyone, who's that include Christians who stick a, you know, poke a stick in your eye. Unbelievers who poke a stick in your eye, right? It says anyone, right? See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. I mean, this is not your calling to say, you done me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. No, no, that's the way the world operates. You do me, I do you. No, 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 no. Uh, Evil is that which is harmful, wicked, mean, base, that idea. And we still have the flesh, even as God's people, I mean, I, 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 you know, one of the, John MacArthur says over and over, the most exciting thing about heaven is going to be no more sin. And boy, that's true, starting with me. I, you know, my own, my own things that I wrestle with. Galatians 5, 15. You know, this is to believers. When Paul's writing, he says, but if you bite and devour one another, you should get your, your rabies shots, right? If you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. You know, you can destroy each other. as Christians! He said, well, Christians would never do that. Oh, why is this verse here? I have no idea why Paul put that in there. He said, he's talking to Christians. <laughs> because we still have the flesh. And the flesh can be terribly ugly, terribly destructive. John McCarthy says, for Christians, the, the severest, most painful disappointments come not from the wickedness of the unbelieving world, but from other sheep within the church. You know, I wonder if this guy's ever been in the ministry for very long, just 50 years, that's all, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember Chuck Swindoll talking about this one day, too, he says, you know, we keep talking about the, the world, and how the world treats us, but he says, honestly, in my personal experience, it's been mostly from the church, God's people, and what they've dished out on me, uh, sadly, a lot of times, that is true, certainly, we got the, the world that hates us, that's, that's for sure, but uh, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. No, no back at you. No responding in the flesh. Okay, you did me. I'm going to, to get back at you. No, uh, we are not to do that. Now, certainly we are to confront. Uh, there is accountability when somebody sins against us, as lined out even in the uh, church disciplinary section in Matthew 18. There are steps to go through. But uh, the idea here you know what this is? No retaliation. I can't retaliate. That is not godly. Can't retaliate. No retaliation. Uh, You know, there's a proper way to respond to it. It might be, certainly, we don't just let brother or sister get away with flagrant sin here. They need to be held accountable. But there's a proper way to do that too and a proper attitude to do it with. And so he says, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. By the way, pursue implies effort. Pursue what is good. It's like when you're on the chase in a hunt. Uh, Pursue it. Uh, It implies effort. You have to work at it. In contrast to vengeance, we should always pursue what is good, both for ourselves and and for all. Our goal as believers must always be the good of others, not their destruction. Notice that Paul's application is purposely broad, applying to anyone, which would include both believers and unbelievers. Okay, uh, let's see. i got a few more slides to wrap up here tonight. Uh, Body life instructions. Here's what he has told us. Here's what we've learned tonight. Warn the unruly, the disorderly. Warn them. Who's to warn them? Pastor, that's your job. Uh, Yes, I submit to you, it's all of our jobs. And uh, so warn the unruly. Comfort the fainthearted. The little soul. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. No rendering evil for evil. Pursue good for all. Uh, That's body life instructions. This is how we are to carry on in the body. And uh, let's see. Finally, someone says, Just preach to me about the rapture and eschatology. These are the things that interest me. Uh, But don't preach to me about the grind of body life. Don't bring that in. But that's to miss the point. Paul brackets rapture truth with how we should live as we await the shout. Body life is where we live as we wait. And God is very concerned with how we carry on. And he's going to say, well, that's great. You were very interested in the rapture. Uh, how were you living? We, as his body, are representatives on, uh, his representatives on earth. And he wants us to reflect him well. Right now, we are taking the test in this life. The exam will be graded at the rapture. And we will be rewarded accordingly. The test is over body life and how we carried on while waiting. How are we doing? Uh, that, that's the ultimate issue here. All right, any other thoughts as we wrap up here tonight? Yep, good reminders for our body life. Yeah, right.